Hey, everybody, before we get to the show, I just want to share another amazing event we've got coming up called Mastering the Legal Clock and Thriving. And that's happening on the 29th of February from noon to one central time. It's me and my friend, Sarah Reed Pecking, and we are going to help you reclaim control of your legal practice in one hour. So if you don't have time to come and join us, maybe you need to come and join us. Uh, Enjoy the show, everybody. You're listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Each episode, your host, author, and lawyer coach, Steve Fretzen, will take a deeper dive, helping you grow your law practice in less time with greater results. Now, here's your host, Steve Fretzen. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Be That Lawyer, another exciting episode for you to enjoy and help you to be that lawyer, someone who's confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. We talk about so many different things in this show and um, and I'm meeting new people all the time that I know we're going to add value for you, whether you're trying to just get your basic LinkedIn profile up or whether you're looking to scale your practice and build it out. Uh, that's that's what this show is all about. And, and uh, we're, we've got a doozy for you today. How you doing, Tim? Good, Steve. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing really well. I had a, We were just talking ice fishing, which you're down in Alabama, so there's not too much ice fishing, although... You never know, I guess. <laughs> right, 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 right. We I mean, we've, we been got... down, we've been down in the teens the last couple of weeks, so we yeah. might could have some ice fishing. Yeah, <laughs> and they've got, well, they got iguanas falling out of the sky in, in Florida <laughs> and whatever, or in Arizona, one of the two. But uh, anyway, really, really fun stuff. And for those of you hearing about Fretzen for the first time, you know, we focus on two things, helping lawyers to be rainmakers and putting them through a very tedious, intensive, fun and educational program on how to make it rain every year and have your best year. And of course, we're doing those Rainmaker roundtables with the existing Rainmakers out there, mostly managing partners and law firm leaders so that they have a, a group of people around them to, for support, uh, for best sharing best practices. I also bring in a ton of great, you know, a lot of the guests that you're hearing on this show um, get out and they're hoping to, to speaking to my Rainmaker roundtables. And so I appreciate them for that. Tim, we're going to have some fun today, starting off with your quote, which is one I haven't heard before, which is, do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. And that was by the prophet Micah? Yeah. So it's interesting. When I first became a lawyer, I didn't have any lawyers in my family. Uh, and I kind of, I literally stumbled into becoming a lawyer. I had a media law course in college as a mass comm major. And I thought the First Amendment stuff was pretty interesting, although I never practiced a minute of First Amendment law in my career. But uh, when I graduated, uh, one of my wife's aunts gave me a framed picture that had sort of the scales of justice and had that quote from the, from, uh, it's an, I guess, an Old Testament prophet. Uh, And I just always have kind of gravitated back to that because it tells me a lot. I think, you know, like a lot of lawyers, I mean, maybe I struggle with arrogance or whatever. I like that. Just, you know, be humble. And uh, justice, of course, is what we're all trying to do. And whether we're representing big companies or not, I mean, we still think about justice. And then mercy. I mean, I, I just I've kind of de- come to define that as, you know, listening, being kind, being compassionate, trying to understand the other person. So it just always guided me, and I still have that frame print. Not in my office anymore. It's at my home office. But um, so it's just it's also a fond memory of that great Aunt Ruby that uh, had a big influence on my life. Yeah, that's really that's really interesting, and I think I love being and humble is is a great word, and I'm finding that a lot of managing partners that I think that it used to be, you know, to be a managing partner, you had to kind of be a tyrant, right? You had to kind of run around screaming and get things done and blah, blah, blah. And I've noticed like you and other managing partners just seem to be the nicest guys, the nicest gals, the nicest people. 
And is that is and we're going to talk a lot about leadership today, but I'm and I don't mean to jump ahead, but like yeah. it just popped into my head. Is that is have you seen that too? That there's less of that style of management, that style of leadership, and more of maybe your style, which is which is I think like a nice guy style. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you call it. I mean, I know that there were I've read I've read a lot about sort of that shift as you got into the new century, and it was nothing magic about the new century about this uh, leadership more by emotional intelligence, which I think is kind of encompasses all that. You got to be hard nosed. You got to be driven. You got to be focused. You got to get things yeah. done. But I think it's that aspect of really people don't want to be in that hierarchical being told how to lead anymore. I mean, maybe it worked in the past. And so it's just not my style. I'm just kind of who I am. And maybe that helps build trust and authenticity with people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I admit my mistakes. I don't try to hide from them and uh, how I'm going to get better. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think there have been studies about that. I think people in more gravitate to that type of. Uh, leadership, but there's obviously great examples of very successful leaders who are still that more authoritative uh, type person. But that's just yeah. not me. So. No, yeah. right. And I, and I, but that's my point. Is like I'm finding that yeah. most of the leaders that I'm working with and engaging with are just the nicest people, like the ones that you know you want to go have a beer with and that can just be human and not not have that ego that I think normally is associated with managing partners. So Tim Lupinacci, you are the CEO and chair of. Baker Donaldson's a very large firm, and you've spent a lot of time, you know, kind of working through that. Can you give us a little bit of, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for being yeah. here, right? And then, and then can you give us a little background? Because I don't think that was something that you aspired to, right, as a younger attorney? That's right. Well, Steve, I, I'm really grateful to be on the show, and I've really got, received a lot of value from the guests on your show and also from the book uh, the, the, that you sent me, the electronic book. So I'm grateful to just have this time to discuss. Yeah, I, I did not. I am. Um, I really didn't think of myself as a leader or leading organization. I like I said, I kind of backed into law. I finally found my niche, which was corporate bankruptcy, and I, I was at a couple of different firms. Uh, and then I came to Baker Donaldson about 19 years ago. Uh, and through an odd set of circumstances, I had a team of about three or four of us that I, mean, I kind of that was kind of my leadership scope. I like having a team and working together and serving clients. And then uh, about two years after I was at Baker Donaldson, I, I was in the Birmingham office and. There's a unique set of circumstances that just happened that I became the managing shareholder of that office. Uh, and I hadn't had a practice group or office level leadership. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it mostly because I was getting to know the people in the office because I was still somewhat new uh, and trying to understand and how that went. And so, uh, you know, what their practices were all about. And, uh, and so it was a really eye opening to me that I really enjoyed it. We had some successes in trying to really have some collective goals to try to drive the office. Uh, and, uh, that led to about five years into that. I said, well, I think it's a good time to kind of step back. It's good to get fresh blood in. And, and I, my, I was, you know, back in the, uh, as a bankruptcy lawyer, the great recession, I was very busy. And so I went to our CEO, CEO at the time and I said, I think I'm ready to step back. And he said, that's good. Cause we want to start a new practice group around financial services and that's who you represent. So we want you to lead it. So it kind of just built from there. And, uh, and then. Five years ago, put my name in the hat to become CEO. So yeah, and, so, and the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. It was a, it was a very uh, the, I really appreciated the process because it was a very long. Uh, you know, I jokingly talk about we had a fifty page questionnaire. It didn't start out fifty pages, but it was that was filling out all my thoughts and uh, visions for the firm. And my predecessor had been in the role for twenty years, so it was kind of a signature event for people at the firm. And so. Uh, we had a lot of great, strong candidates, and we all kind of set out our vision and uh, and uh, worked through it. So it's yeah. great. 
And so was that what was the be that lawyer tipping point for you from a standpoint? Was it was it that that move to the managing partner of your office? Was it that going through the process of the five years? And what talk talk to that? Yeah, you know, I think it really goes back even earlier. Like I said, I, I wasn't really not having a mentor in the family or someone I knew what it was to be a lawyer. I think it was early on. I was just I looked at the practice of law in addition to that point, paying off a lot of law school debt <laughs> was just transactional. I'd come in, get a project, do it, turn it in, um, and then go to the next project. Still trying to figure out, is this really what I want to do for my career? Um, and then uh, I had a, a pretty big fail on a project. I was working with like a five-year lawyer. I was about a two-year lawyer. We're working for this pretty gruff boss. Uh, and I turned in my part of the project to the five-year lawyer. He turned it in. It rolled up. I'm moving on to the next thing. Next thing I know, we're getting called into his office and he's yelling at us on a, with a phone call of about 20 lawyers calling us idiots and we got the project wrong. We're going to fix it if we stay there all night. And so that, um, and the next day, uh, and so we did stay there. We got it. It was a financial calculation. We got it fixed, but I had drawn the short straw to take my boss to court the next morning. So I went to pick him up and it was a very quiet kind of ride. I didn't know if I'm going to get fired. Uh, and then he, he, um, he did apologize, which was yeah. to his credit. Cause he said, I shouldn't have yelled at you in front of other people. He said, but the thing I was so frustrated with you particularly is because I see that you really have strong leadership uh, and strong career opportunities if you'll just own it and you'll own being a leader and own your career and not just get by and assume other people are going to check your work for you. Uh, and that was really kind of eye-opening. I don't know that I'd had someone speaking to me as about leadership. And so mm -hmm. that really set me on a path to start thinking about that a lot. And, and it really did. So it was not long after that really gelled about what I was doing in my career and I really enjoyed it. So I think it was all the way back there pretty early on. <laughs> yeah. Really, really cool. And, you know, everybody's got that moment where something flips, right? Where something yeah. clicks or connects or something. And that, that even if it's getting yelled at, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, you know, it's what happens after that and what, what road we take. So an individual that is interested in building a law firm out or deciding to take a leadership role is maybe he's conflicted between, look, I'm already busy with the billable hour. Steve's always telling me I got to do business development. So I'm doing that too. And I'm busy with that. Now I have to lead this firm and manage these people and do that. How, how is that even feasible for, for lawyers to, to wrap their head around that? Yeah. Um, it, it's a great question because you're right. There's a finite number of days of hours in the day, right? Yeah. And we all have a lot of things and, and, and the client, uh, clients pay the bills to keep the lights on that let you even do the leadership. So fortunately in my role right now, I'm full-time leading, so I don't have to worry about my personal uh, billable hours. But I guess for some of those earlier positions I had, I really found, I didn't go into it with this anticipation, but having that title really did help me in my business development. Just the fact that a law firm um, had designated that I was someone that they trusted to lead an office, or then when I led a practice group leader, uh, led, led a practice group, even though my clients weren't necessarily in Birmingham at the time when I was office leader, I think it just was a, it kind of gave me a leg up uh, with other uh, competition, other competitors to say, not only does Tim know the substance of the law of this, of this particular area, but he also kind of gets how to manage and lead people to accomplish things. And I think particularly, I don't know, bankruptcy, you're trying to work through difficult situations. Nobody's ever happy. I guess it's not really in litigation either, but, uh, but how do you solve this problem uh, and get to a consensus? And I guess that gave me I found that it elevated my business development to have some of those titles. And I didn't do it for that. Yeah. Um, but I think you just, yeah, just managed through it. And then it did seem like it accelerated on itself. And then certainly 
as you get your legs under you with leadership, um, and that's why I think it's really, it's been helpful to me to have like a small team and then a little bit bigger team, and then it grew, your influence grows. Um, It helped me feel a little bit more confident in what I was doing on the leadership side that I could devote more time to the other. But it's just about, it's a lot of it's about time management and prioritization, as I know you talk about all the time, but you just have to make those things work. Here's everything you need to know about Lawmatics. Ready? They are the number one law firm automation platform in legal. They help law firms win new business, speed up intake, and boost efficiency. They integrate smoothly with your favorite practice management tools like Clio, Smokeball, and Practice Panther. And get this, on average, Lawmatics users get 25% more clients, save six hours a week, and grow their revenue by at least 25%. Curious? I think so. Give Lawmatics a try with a 10% discount by going to lawmatics.com slash be that lawyer. That's lawmatics, L-A-W-M-A-T-I-C-S dot com slash be that lawyer. As you all know, finding amazing employees can be the toughest job for any law firm leader. You deserve to run the law firm you've always dreamed of, but you can't get there without a great team. To get staffed up, they will help you by staffing your law firm with incredible full-time offshore executive assistance, legal assistance, marketing assistance, and much more. The best part? They will find you a highly qualified English-speaking VA based in Latin America for only a fraction of the cost locally. At Fretzen, we use Get Staffed Up for marketing person, and you know how good our marketing is. Learn more at GetStaffedUp.com slash BeThatLawyer. Law firm owners, are you tired of relying on referrals to grow your law firm? Have you been burned by marketing agencies who do not understand the legal industry? Hey, my name is Ashley, and I'm the owner of Green Cardigan Marketing. We help law firms just like yours grow through marketing strategies that work. We track measurable data to make our decisions. We monitor your market, your competitors, and your online footprint. To schedule a call with me today to see if we can help your law firm, visit us at greencardianmarketing.com. Well, and I, you said something really interesting, and I think it makes a big difference to get some experience managing maybe a group or managing a small team or something where you yeah. have some authority and, and get to test out leadership. And I know you're going to recommend, you know, and you became a bit of a junkie on leadership, but there's so many great books. There's so many great podcasts. There's so many great ways to get educated mentors, coaches to, to become a, 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 a future leader if you're not already one. How did that, how does that play out? Yeah, and it's been um, it's been really interesting because I, I, building on that idea, like when he said uh, you you should be step up like a leader, I didn't know what that meant necessarily. So I started reading a lot yeah. and uh, you know uh, books and things and podcasts. Although I guess at that point you listen to stuff on CDs and cassette yeah. tapes, books or whatever, on tape, but yeah, because I'm old, yeah, you know. But um, <laughs> but one thing I did early on, and I think I've replicated this as different things, is I became a young partner. I had a, a an associate and a paralegal working for me, so it's three of us. I just started doing a 30-minute coffee break every week to kind of talk about the matters we were working on and for me to try to give them some tips and leadership ideas. And then at some point, it hit, I hit upon this idea of bringing other people. For the, there was a prior firm I was at, so I was a younger lawyer. I would invite leaders of that firm to come and speak to our little team of three about mm. leadership and about what lessons they had learned. And of course, lawyers, we all like to talk about ourselves. So no one ever turned me down, even though it was a 30-minute commitment, you know, yeah. 20 minutes to come talk to it. So I think that really helped because I was learning too, right? I'm taking notes and all that. And then I continued to do that um, back in the heyday of the Great Recession. I mean, heyday for depending on what side of the 
how that was impacting you. I know a lot of people were really decimated through that. But when I was really busy and our team was, uh, I don't know, seven, six, seven, eight people, we would do the same thing and get together. But I would get like a book and uh, I would teach through the book with that team. Maybe it was every other week we'd get together. And I was actually talking to a former colleague who's now, she left to become general counsel of a company. Now she's CEO. And she said that that time of going through that book together and thinking about your ambitions and goals really was her, maybe her, you know, tipping point on, on be that lawyer, you know, about the, okay. about the lawyer. So, so I think things where you can just get together and pour into people and it, it doesn't have to be, sometimes you think I've got to teach like a six hour seminar. No, I think it's just getting together and sharing coffee, you know, and okay. talking about things. So anyway, those are a couple of things that I think have um, helped. It sounds like, yeah, you know, time, like focused time and building not only the relationship, but also looking yeah. at, at doing something as a team building skills. Is that part of how you get buy-in from your team as the leader? Oh, absolutely. And I think because, and particularly, again, it's not uh, just you talking at them. It's sort of, it should be a dialogue and getting to know them and understand their ambitions. And their ambitions are going to be different. Each person can have different, but if you can understand and tap into that, some people want to go teach CLE classes to clients as their business development. Others want to go just hang out at a ballpark with them. And they may hate teaching CLEs. I mean, I, I I love people, so I like being around people. But I always was freaked out trying to teach CLE stuff because I thought I'm going to say something wrong and then somebody's going to call me on it and I'm not going to know the answer and I'm going to look like an idiot. So I would much rather go do the other, although sometimes you have to do all of it, of course. So, But yeah, I think that it's building that buy-in and that, um, uh, and, and also add some fun into it. Sometimes that team I was talking about, we were meeting, we would go out and do you know escape rooms together or mm. we'd go out and um, one time I, I kind of uh, all kind of told them block off a Friday afternoon and we just left and went and had lunch and went to see a movie I mean it was just stuff like wow totally nice. out of other mind Joe and but I kept them guessing um, <laughs> and uh, so they were all thinking like we're we gonna do a ropes course is he gonna take us where he went to college I mean it, like they didn't yeah. know what was going on and it was so um, anyway but I think that's it's it's so critical because what I think you're saying it's it's the it's you're building a culture as a leader you're building a culture of of not only fun but also of how you guys are collaborating how you're getting things done and how you're you're yeah. you know interested in them as individuals. Yeah, well, and I mean something even though it can be from the beginning there or even up to now our board of directors you know when I became CEO we would always the, the standard was we get together three or four times in person for you know a year. Because uh, we're from all the boards from all our different offices, we get together somewhere and we go out and have a nice dinner, which is fine. But then we realize that you know the restaurants are loud, and you get to talk to the one board member that's next to you on either side, and and that's kind of it. So then we just decide at some point, well, why don't we just go do something fun? And so we would go do top golf and have hot dogs. Or we yeah. uh, last uh, in December we went to a dart place, you know, where you're just shooting darts. And eating again, you know, and yeah. seeing people in action, you're getting to know them. You see the personalities come out more than a really, you know, stuffy dinner. Although the, the dinners are fun, and I, I'm a big fan of getting together and having meals together. But I just think it's sometimes you just have to get people out of their comfort zone. And, uh, yeah, so. and just do something different that everybody can enjoy, and and it's just not the same routine. Especially if you've identified that there's there's weaknesses in that routine. Uh, for yeah. example, dinner. How do so? This is like, I, so I'm working with a ton of managing partners, mostly of small yeah. firms. And the biggest challenge they have is, I mentioned earlier, they're billing a ton of hours. Their clients yeah. want them, at least in their mind, they want them. They are the, the top rainmaker and they're managing this team of 5, 10, 20 attorneys and all the staff. 
and they're feeling pretty stressed out. And so is it, what's, give me a, give me a couple of tips and secrets for them that are listening that, that are kind of in that predicament. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's a couple of things I've, um, try to rely on a lot. I think it's real important, um, for me to have, I call them kind of like disciplines, daily disciplines, whatever about like, I want to have time every day where I'm getting outside and walking or running. Uh, mm-hmm. mostly running, but then I busted my ankle a couple months ago. So now it's walking, which is good. You know, it's, I'm outside. Um, just thinking time, I've blocked a half an hour every day and I, I don't do it every day, but it reminds me to have a reading time, like just to try to read articles about things to get me thinking, you know, creatively. Um, uh, you know, I try to, uh, watch what I eat. I try to, you know, focus on the sleep, uh, aspect. I try to, um, Every weekend, I try to do a 24-hour, you know, like a Sabbath from electronics, you know, getting away from uh, of that. Um, that doesn't always happen, and but it's an aspiration, and I try to track it. Like, uh, so far this year, there's been three weekends. I've done three 24-hour, you know, fasts or whatever you want to call it from electronic media. So, it's stuff to get your mind renewed so you can show up your best. So, that's that's kind of basic But, but stuff, is that, but, 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 Tim, really is, but Tim, is that now? Because now you're you're in a role where... You, you're not doing the billable hour, right? You're not playing that yeah. game anymore. You've, you've figured out how to get out of doing certain things and focus on the leadership element. But there was a transitional point for you, oh, I'm right. sure. Oh, right? Sure. And so talk to that, because that's really where I want to yeah. get. How did, you, well, how did you transition where every client that had wants you, you're okay. the guy. And now you're saying, look, I'm not the guy because I've got this other thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're both that. Well, so, and I do think all the, all that stuff about the self-care, I think I was trying to, I was doing that, you know, as a full-time practicing lawyer, trying to balance it right. because I still needed to show up for the clients. But yeah. you no, know, the one thing I would say, I, if you go back, you know, uh, 10 years before I became CEO, so 15 years ago, one of my real beliefs about building business development is that it, it, it does take a team that, you know, um, as much as, you know, I may be the guy or whatever you say, you know, but, um, but as we've over time, we built a team where I trusted, um, you know, other shareholders with those clients that there were four or five of us that we were doing business development together. Now, we may not all go to every client together, but we were dividing up and sometimes we would go together, sometimes we wouldn't. And then we built out the team to do that so that if I was, you know, on vacation, now this took a while to get this, you know, to work, but I'm on vacation. They felt comfortable calling Nelwyn or Eric or Spencer um, because they trusted them. And then it took, took time. So then fast forward to five years ago, when I'm stepping into this role, there's now a whole team of people that they know it's not the Tim show. It's, it's this team of Baker Donaldson workout lawyers that they've, they've built this trust and direct relationships with. So, I mean, it probably took six months. People would still call and want to know strategy. And I would still want to kind of keep my pulse in there. And there's still yeah. some of my longest time clients I'll get on a call for 30 or 60 minutes talking about strategy of how to work something through. But I think, so I think it's, I know it's easier said than done, but, uh, but, but it was done with a lot of hard work of building that team, trusting that team. We had people that were on that team that we gave front row um, opportunities with clients and they dropped the ball and you didn't have to come back in and clean up the mess. And then maybe they, you know, don't work out. Yeah. But it's some of that. So anyway, I think it's- But there's there's a trust trust transference there. So I'm talking to a website company. I'm dealing with the owner. She brings in the team, right? And these are the people that are going to make all the magic happen. And eventually, I'm not really talking to her. I can keep the relationship with her. We can, if I have a big big overarching problem, she'd be the one I'd want to call. 
but for the day in day out of getting the website done or getting the marketing done right it's going to be the team so i think that's what you're saying like you've got to transfer the trust to the team whether that's a second in command to you or a team of three to five whatever might be and that's going to open up your day and your time to do the things like lead yeah and and i think you've made a good point you have you can't just get that call get that new matter and then say okay here go work with so and so it's got to be over time like maybe you're both doing it and i get it then you maybe can't build for both the time i mean it's all but my experience has been when you do that and you build that trust then the pie gets bigger because now you've got multiple people who can have those relationships because we've got that finite amount of time so yeah and you mentioned about the self-care and i love that in it's like it's like everyone's that's in law is a is a fireman like they're constantly putting yeah. out fires caught in court and in tough clients and all this stuff and this self-care is what ends up suffering they're not putting the oxygen mask on themselves first as the door blows off the plane yeah. and you know right. <laughs> good for alaska airlines <laughs> that, yeah. man um but that's really you've got to start working that out early i totally agree and i i, I learned from failure like i said i've made a lot of mistakes along the way and I just had gotten where I was just totally at the end of the rope. And I mean, this was probably 10 years into practicing law and I was burning it at all ends and I wasn't doing any self-care. And so I finally just reached out to our firms, like at the time, EAP, you know, assistant, uh, employee assistant program. And I went to talk to a counselor and I was like, I got to get this because I was just always on edge, always on stress and pressure mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Um, and that person gave me some tips about how to try to navigate through that. And then over the years, I've continued to try to go back I mean, when COVID hit and I was just you know, there's a lot of pressure and there's no playbook. I realized at some point I need to just have some voice that I can talk to. So I got a, you know, consultant I'm talking to, a counselor, um, probably once a month now. Um, but it's just good to check in and have that voice of somebody you can talk to and say, Hey, I really saw myself going down this spiral of anger or whatever, you know, what, what any tips about how to deal with it and things like that. So, um, I think that's kind of how some of the way I've learned from making those mistakes that it's hard when you've got you know, you're doing 20 hour days and the pressure's coming from everywhere. How can I worry about myself? But my experience has been through some failures that that's when I can make the most of the 18 hours then or what, 17 hours because I'm now better fueled to do it. But yeah. Hey, my final question to you, Tim is, yeah. is I, and I'm going to, I'm going to be humble in saying this, that <laughs> I've had opportunities in my career to not only lead, but also to manage. And I think from a leading standpoint, I'm an excellent leader. From a management standpoint, I'm much more organized now than I used to be when I tried to manage and I was a failure at managing and um, didn't meet with people weekly and didn't, you know, help them in, in the way a normal manager where you're snapping a whip, whatever you want to call it. So how do you, when you feel like a manager, but you really want to be a leader, how do you solve, how do you resolve that? Yeah, that's really, that was probably one of the biggest, the hardest thing for me moving into this role, because there's certain things that the CEO or the managing partner of whatever size group, that's what you need to be doing. But there's a tendency to feel like you got to solve every problem. And depending on your team that you're working with, and we've got, uh, you know, we've got a chief operating officer, CFO here, and some other executives, I've got to make sure that I'm, um, figuring out what is the most valuable uh, work that I can do on behalf of the firm and on, on, on behalf of our shareholders and what is better uh, aligned with some of these other executives and then let it go. And again, it's yeah. that same kind of thing. You got to build that trust with them. Yeah. Which, um, but it, but it sounds have. like there's a, but Tim, isn't there, there's a hierarchy, right? Of 
you know, there's problems at all oh. levels, right? And, and there's right. people that report to you and that should come to you for certain problems. And there's, there's probably other right. people that they should be talking to that, that are their direct managers, direct reports. And is that is that one of the important elements of it? It is. And one of the things, though, is um, the Tim responsibility, what I control, is not holding on to things and doing things that aren't my top priority, even though they're good things. They need to get done. And one thing I'll give a quick tip that um, a coach helped me with early on was I started tracking my time of what I was spending my time on Mm -hmm. of different buckets of categories. And then a lot of it, I realized, was not what you would say were my three or four top vital priorities to drive the firm forward. And that's when I really, it was more eye-opening, you know, to say, oh yeah, I don't need to be doing that. I need to be driving this, which is, you know, um, maybe driving growth or interacting with shareholders or casting the vision. So yeah, that's like a time management must do is just track your day, track a couple days, see what you're really doing. And I think what you'll realize is that you're not really doing, you know, what's in your best interest to to develop business or to lead or to, you know, just build something. So, well, and even, even going back to the business development, like you got to have a bucket. If you're, if you're full-time practicing and full-time leading and trying to do business development, you've got to have a plan on that business development. I used to break the year out into quarters and say, I'm going to touch this client here, this client there. I can't do all this. And it is, it's a lot of time management, but it just, um, it works. uh, Yeah. Well, planning, you know, right. You know, plan and execution and accountability. Yeah. And prioritization, all elements of what makes someone a great rainmaker, a great leader, et cetera. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tim. Let's wrap up with uh, your game-changing book. We've got today, The Four Disciplines of Execution. Talk to us about that. Yeah. And it kind of goes into exactly, it's almost like you teed it up perfectly I, what I, we were just well, talking listen, about. Well, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm an old yeah. pro at this point, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think it's a, like a Stephen Covey book but um, uh, or his organization, but uh, the thing about it is that uh, if you know your vital priorities, the world wouldn't have every day is going to throw it all out the out of the door. Something's going to happen this morning that I'm not expect, expecting. I can have the best plans to do my three or four things, and then something somebody walks in my office and creates a big bomb, and I've got to mm-hmm. solve it. But the thing that I loved about that book is, first of all, it's identifying those priorities, but then it's also recognizing that you're going to have the whirlwind blow it out of, all over the place. But then when the whirlwind slows down, you go back to those same three or four priorities. Yeah, the vital um, the disciplines of executing, and like you were saying, getting things done. Uh, because sometimes you can just let the whirlwind take you off track for days or weeks. But if you know you're coming all the way back to these priorities, then you can keep executing. So that was a lot of things that just really helped me crystallize everything. There's also this great idea in there about setting lead goals instead of lag goals. We all know once the fiscal year is over, how we did last year. And okay, that may have been driven because we were doing business development or maybe not, or maybe we didn't get some checks in, but what are some things you control to make sure next fiscal year is good? Well, doing client visits is going to pay dividends. You know yeah. that that's a lead measure. And so do you track your client visits? Things like that were was really game changing for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's these kinds of books, you know, another one that, you know, getting things done for time management and yeah. there's so many, so many wonderful books. I've written a few that I like to think are pretty wonderful, but yeah. You know, they're they're for business development. If you're looking to lead, that's you know, you've got to find specific books like the four disciplines that's gonna get you there. Really, really fantastic. As we wrap up, I wanna just uh, thank our sponsors, Get Staffed Up, Green Cardigan Marketing Everybody and Law Maddox. So check them out and uh, I think you'll enjoy uh working with them. And Tim, if people wanna reach out to you, they're interested in in working for a wonderful leader like you or they just wanna learn more about your your firm, what are the best ways for them to reach you? 
Sure. Um, the firm website is Baker Donaldson, B-A-K-E-R-D-O-N-E-L-S-O-N.com. I'm on there. Um, and then I've also got a nonprofit that's all about leadership, everybodyleads.org. Feel, I'm on there too. So feel free. Yeah. Either way, I'd love to keep the dialogue going. Yes, absolutely. And a huge shout out too to Meredith Bell who introduced us. Uh, she's such a she's <laughs> such a superstar and uh, such a great advocate for others that that are trying to make the legal industry a better place. That's what this show's all about, Tim. And you've been just an amazing guest. And I'm so happy that we got to meet and 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 got to pull out some gems from you. And I think there's a lot of le- future leaders out there that need to be inspired, that need to know that it's possible. You know. Well, I really appreciate this, Steve, and I just have learned so much from you already, so it's been great to spend some time together. Awesome, awesome. And thank you, everybody, for spending, again, some time with with Tim and I today to help you to be that lawyer, someone who's confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. Keep listening, and if you're enjoying the show, don't be shy. Tell the other lawyer friends about it. Give us some kind reviews and ratings and all that jazz, and uh, we'll keep keep at it. Um, Be well, be safe. We'll talk again soon, everybody. Thanks for listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Visit Steve's website, fretson.com, for additional information and to stay up to date on the latest legal business development and marketing trends. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out today's show notes.